Okay? And so this is the pure word of God. This is, you can't refine it anymore, and you can't add to it. As a matter of fact, we'll look at this here in a second, but he says, don't add to it and don't take away from it. Why? It's the holy, it's the pure. Okay? And, and so this is the pure words. Uh, you could also look in chapter 14 and verse 57, but for sake of time, uh, we won't go there. So it means clean, but it also means pure and without, if you will, defect, uh, without mixture, without mixture. Um, go to uh, Exodus chapter 25 and look at verse 11. Exodus chapter 25, verse 11 And the Bible says, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Okay? I told you that these two words are used quite often, most often to describe lambs uh, and then uh, gold. Those are the two, be honest with you, those two things, whenever you use the word pure or clean, it's almost exclusively those two things. Okay? But uh, he's saying, when you take and make anything in temple, use pure gold. Okay? Uh, What's pure gold? Somebody help me here. Yeah, good, but I mean, what, what would we call pure gold today? Say it again? Yeah, without impurities. I mean, there is a name for it. I'm not trying to be clever. Yeah, 24 karat gold. And then as you go down in carats, you're adding impurities, okay? Uh, for those of us who got married, you, you wanted to buy your wife the 18 karat gold ring, but you couldn't afford it, so you had to get the 14 karat. And if you couldn't afford that, you had to get the 10 karat, and you had to tell her, honey, it still looks like gold. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but she knows, and you know, okay, the 24 karat gold. By the way, they don't make rings out of 24 karat gold because it's too soft. It's too malleable. You would drop it, and it would bend. But that's the reason they don't make it out of pure gold. But, uh, by the way, this is pure magnesium. <laughs> that's what I rate. Amen. Anybody, anybody know what electrum is? Electrum is actually was used in coinage, and it was traded. It was used for... Um, it was used for uh, uh, vessels and stuff like that. Today, we could equate it with Black Hills gold. Have you ever seen Black Hills gold? What color is Black Hills gold? What color is Black Hills gold? Yeah, it's kind of got a little pink, got a little green. It's got, it's got all kinds of little colors in it. And it, the reason is because it's the impurities in it. It's usually a lot cheaper than real gold. And electrum, they used to make coins out of it, okay? Roman coins were made out of electrum. Uh, it, it occurs naturally, but it's a mixture of gold and silver, okay? It actually has gold, silver, and copper and some other minor minerals in it. And they call it green gold, all right? Now, if somebody gave you green gold, how many of y'all get excited about that? Especially if you turned your finger green, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Amen. See, these people don't enjoy the pleasure. Remember when we used to get copper rings when you were a kid? Remember that? It'd turn your wrist or your, well, all depends on how big the ring was, I guess. <laughs> it turn everything green. But anyhow, God, when he's talking about gold, he's not talking about electrum. And he's not talking about 10, 18, 14 karat gold. He's talking about 24 karat pure gold, okay? He's, he's, he's making it, and, and so if you will, when he takes and he compares his word to sheep without defect and gold without any impurities, that helps us to understand what he means. When he says, I wrote that book, you know how much he wrote? He wrote all of it. How much of it is right and correct? All of it. 
That is important for us to understand. Why? Because all you got to do is go to your local bookstore and find the place filled with books that claim that there are impurities in your Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather believe God than believe them. Amen. And, he said, and by the way, it's not without evidence. I'm, I'm not saying blindly believe it. I'm just telling you the evidence is that we have a pure book. You know, our holy God gave us the very words of this book. Go, if you will, to 2 Timothy now. In chapter 3, these should be familiar verses to you. If they're not, I encourage you to circle them and memorize them. They're, they're good to know. At the very least, you should know the address. And so, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 14. And the Bible says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Help me now. The pillar and the ground of what, what would the pillar be? I mean, think about it. And what would the ground be? Be the foundation, right? Okay. And so, if you will, he, he's talking about um, he's talking about the stability and the lasting nature of it. Okay. And so, the Bible says the church is the pillar and the ground of the sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay. So he's talking about the word of God here. And he's talking about, and we'll look at this here more in a moment, how the church was given stewardship to make sure that the Bible stayed pure. Okay? And so we'll, we'll look at that here. Keep going, though. The Bible says this in verse 16. It says, And without uh, controversy, great is the mystery of God in this. God was manifest in the flesh. I meant in the wrong chapter, aren't I? By the way, that's a very good verse. <laughs> that's a very good verse. I did want to show you that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. We were going to get there. We just got there a little early. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. Study. I'm still in the wrong place. Are you all finally with me? I'm sorry. But continue thou in the things. All right, good. We got it. <laughs> but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now here it is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that means complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How much Bible do we need? Just this much. But God wrote all of it. Amen. Amen. Okay. And so if you will, uh, we believe, I'm telling you what we believe in hermeneutics. Let me give you another fancy word here. We believe in what is called the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. Verbal means he, he didn't inspire the ideas of the book. He inspired the very words of the book. Okay? As a matter of fact, if you don't believe that, there's another place. I, I think it's in Isaiah. I just didn't look it up. But the Bible says that the prophets desired to look into the things that they wrote. You know what that means? There were times they were writing things as the Word of God didn't know what they were writing. 
Okay, I'm not saying they were mindless. I'm just saying they didn't understand some of the things they were writing. They didn't know what the application was. They didn't know who it applied to. But God said, write that. Okay, and later, of course, uh, you know, all things uh, will be fulfilled. And so, if you will, uh, the very words are inspired. Plenary means all the words. You mean even the, the conjunctions and, 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 the, and the I's and the these and the thou's? By the way, there's a reason why you have these and thou's in your King James Bible. It makes it so that you can understand who he's talking to easier than other books. Because if you just say you, 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 you could be a lot of people. Y'all understand that? But when you have thee and thou and, and, and all that stuff, it makes it easier to take and understand who's being talked to. So if you will, we believe in the verbal, the words are inspired, the plenary, all the words are inspired, even the letters. What did Jesus say? He says, I didn't come to put away the law. I came to fulfill the law. And he says, every jot and every tittle is going to be fulfilled. Now, uh, if you will, that, if you want to go back and look at that, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. But Jesus took and he says, the smallest letter, jot, and the smallest part of a letter, tittle, is going to be fulfilled. And so when Jesus says, I inspired the words, he says, I even inspired the spelling. You all understand that? And so he's saying, I, 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 we'll get to preservation here in a second, but I wrote every least bit of this book for you. It is pure. It is clean. It is right. Amen. That's important for us to understand. By the way, can you prove it? What I just said, can you prove it? Can I tell you this? I can give you all kinds of decades of learning, okay? And I can show you books you can read that will give you evidence. And you'll say, boy, that sounds right. That sounds right. But at the end of the day, it's evidence. You either believe God or you don't. Amen. And I will promise you this. You can always find something to create a question in somebody's mind. But it's a whole lot better to say, well, I know the God I've believed in. I know in whom I believed. Come on now, amen? And so even when it comes to Bible. And so he, not to, did he just inspire the words, he inspired the letters. And by extension, this includes the New Testament. Because you say, well, the law, he's talking about the law. Yeah, he is. But can I tell you this? God wrote the New Testament too. And God preserved the New Testament too. Uh, I want you to see this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, it's not New Testament, but it'll set us up for something here. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Look at uh, verse 1. The Bible says, uh, And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. So he's saying, the words that I'm giving you are the words that were given to me. Everybody understand that? The words I'm giving you are the words that were given to me, okay, by God. Verse 3, the Bible says, the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. You all understand that? He is saying, God gave me these very words. I wrote them down. They're the ones I gave to you. Okay, so when it talks about all scriptures given by inspiration of God, God breathed those words out to Moses, amen? And, and he took and he recorded them. Go, did I read the wrong verse again? Well, anyhow. <laughs> the verse I'm looking for, and I think that's it. Maybe it's 4-2. 
look at four two for a second. Yeah, go look at four two for a second. By the way, you needed to hear that, but this I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I just don't want to miss this. He says here, he says, "Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish, what's that word there? Ought from it, or anything from it. Now, I know it's italicized, but it's implied. He says, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. And so what does he say about the Old Testament, the one that, God, that, that Jesus said, I'm going to fulfill all of it? He said, he said, if you will, he says, don't add to it, don't take from it. Don't add to it, don't take from it. What was the problem with the tradition of the elders? They were adding to the word of God. You all understand that? And they would take away from the word of God when they didn't want to be obedient. They didn't want to discipline their children, so they took away from the word of God. Okay? Well, now go to um, Revelation chapter 20. I said that wrong. 22. Revelation 22. Revelation chapter 22. Look at verse 18. And 4 2, he says, don't add to it, don't take away from it. All right? By the way, Old Testament. Okay? Well, look what he said at the very end of the New Testament. Verse 18, he says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and for the things which are written in this book. Folks, he's saying this. He says, listen, I wrote and I closed the Old Testament. I wrote and I closed the New Testament. It's pure. It's perfect. Don't take from it. Don't add to it. Amen. Why? Because I got it right the first time. And so, if you will, he wrote all of it, and he wrote all of it by inspiration. What does that mean? I, I've been defining the word. Let's look what God's, how God defines it. Go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, look at verse 19. Okay. And the Bible says here, it says this. It says, uh, it says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. By the way, just so you know, he's saying, I wrote this book so that the day star, Jesus, could arise in your hearts by faith. Okay, so in a sense. Verse 20, it says, Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, meaning you can't make it say what you want it to say, make it say what I want it to say. And then verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so we see God spoke to them, uh, then they spoke to us, they wrote it down, it was preserved, and it was uh, trans. trans uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, transmitted to us. Okay, transmitted to us. Now, uh, uh, oh, by the way, also notice the metaphor used to help us to understand what purity is. He says, as gold purified in a furnace of earth seven times. Now, we talked about figures of speech. Folks, the number seven is quite often used as a figure of speech, meaning perfection or completeness, okay? And so it really doesn't matter how many times it's purified. God's saying, I have purified this completely, okay? I use the illustration because I've never refined gold, but anytime you refine a metal, 
it'll have a slag or a scale or a scum that's on the top, and they'll take and they'll, they'll remove that until, until it's just pure. There's, there's nothing to take and to boil off because they boiled off all the impurities, okay? Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you've ever seen that, you know that I've taken care of the least of the impurities, okay? Now, notice, we talked about the inspiration of the Word of God. Now let's talk about synonyms in the Word of God. Go back to our text, okay? Go back to our text in um, Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12, look at verse 7 and see if you see any synonyms, okay? The Bible says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Are there any synonyms in there? Yeah, keep and preserve, okay? Keep and preserve. And, and, and just like with figures of speech, sometimes God has to help us to get our mind around things. But there's other times where he's describing things, and he'll use two and sometimes seven, eight, nine similar-sounding words to help us to get our mind around a concept, okay? And, and so you say, well, keep means to guard, and it does. If you, if you just do a real quick study in your, in your Strong's uh, dictionary, it'll say, keep means to guard. Oh, okay, very good. And so you want to know what preserve means? It means to guard. The only difference is keep means to hedge about or to fence. And preserve means to keep watch. Okay, now they both mean guard, but one means fence it in and patrol it. Y'all understand that? And so God fenced it in when he closed it. He says, here, I wrote it, it's done. Don't add to it, don't take away from it. Fence. And then he gave it to the nation of Israel and he gave it to the church and he says, you watch over it and you guard it and you make sure that it's safe and protected. Amen. And, and can I just say this, that Israel did it and uh, uh, how do we know they did a good job? God, uh, Jesus accepted the word that they, had, that they had preserved to his day. He accepted it. He didn't correct it. He accepted it. And so we can accept it. Amen. And the church has been doing the same thing ever since. Okay. And so... Uh, it was fenced, and they were, they were protected. Now, um, uh, if you will, Israel were the early stewards. Uh, how do I know that? Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 1. The Bible says, What advantage then hath the Jews, or what profit is there of circumcision, uh, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Meaning this, God says, I committed the word of God to you. What was their job? To fence it and to protect it. Okay? You guys know how we get our Bibles? Somebody took the time to uh, type it into a computer. They spell checked it. They ran it through everything that they could do. They got a whole bunch of proofreaders to proofread it, and then they saved it. And now we can print out all the right copies of the Bible we want to. You know how they had to do it in the day? Well, they had a right copy, and, and it, they would either have a scriptorum, which would be one guy reading the Word of God, and other people copying it out, okay? They would do that in churches, too. Somebody would read it, and they would copy it out, okay? And then when they got done, they would take and they would count how many letters were on a page, Everybody get the same number? Yeah? Okay. Well, now go diagonally. Tell me what the middle number is, uh, letter is. And, and they say, well, it's a this. And they say, okay, is that what everybody else got? Yeah, okay. And, and, and so they would take and they would make sure that it was right, and then they would 
start another page. If it was wrong, they would destroy it. Okay? You, could, you can't erase vellum. Anybody know what vellum is? It's animal skin. Okay? And, and, and so, if you will, they had to know that every time they made a mistake, it cost an animal its life. Why? Because that's where you get animal skin. You all with me? Supposedly, and I've never found this to be true. I was told this from somebody that said it was true, so please forgive me. I'm passing on secondhand information. But supposedly, they would only write the name of God once with a pen. Because it, it had written the name of God, and so after they wrote the name of God, they would take and they would break the pen. How seriously did they take the Word of God? They took it seriously. Take this the right way. Then people come in and they say, well, don't you suppose that there's all kinds of errors in your Bible? No, I don't suppose that at all. As a matter of fact, and, and you can study this for yourself, but the better manuscripts, okay, that they're all the time talking about for all the other versions of the Bible, the better manuscripts, uh, one of the ones that they, that they utilized the most was found in a kindling pile being used to start fires. That tells you what the people thought of it. Amen. Okay, they, they took and they said, that's, that's not a worthy document. Why? Well, there was all kinds of blank spaces. Remember how I said that they, all the letters connected and they counted, okay, and there's blank spaces? That's, that's garbage. Something's wrong with that. It should have been destroyed in the first place. And somebody comes up and says, that's very old. That's, that's a wonderful document. Why? Because they could take and create questions in people's minds whether God had preserved the Bible or not. Okay? Um, I'm not going to go into that too far. But my whole point is this is he gave that job, if you will, to Israel. Then he gave it to the church. Uh, for sake of time, I won't go there. Go to Colossians 4.16 if you want to look that up. And, uh, and then, by the way, Jesus quoted from 24 books of the Old Testament. He, cre- he, he quoted essentially from every part of the Old Testament except like the historical books. And I think part of the reason for that is, is the historical books I mean, they're important and everything like that, but the, the others were the ones where he gave his commands and everything like that. You all understand. And so Jesus quoted from 24. The New Testament quotes from all the Old Testament books except for Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. But having said that, if he quoted from Proverbs, how many of you all think he probably acknowledged the rest of Solomon's writings? you all understand? Okay. And so, uh, by the way, here's another thing. This is important. How many of y'all believe in seven days of creation? Okay, six days plus the seventh day you rested, right? Okay, is that constantly under attack, even sometimes in churches? You know who accepted the seven days of creation? Jesus did. Now please take this the right way. If Jesus said it was created in six, seventh day he rested, I'm going to go with Jesus. When I was in school, I had to spend way too much time studying what was called higher criticism where people talked about uh, we know a better Bible and we're going to find a better Bible and if you don't realize what's going on a better Bible means they're able to keep the copyright current because then they can sell it for more money. You all understand? And, and so they're constantly changing all the other Bibles. They don't change the King James Bible. Why? Well some of the words might be archaic and by the way, I read an article the other day, and it showed all the archaic words in the NIV. <laughs> Please tell me this. If the whole idea was to get rid of archaic words, they didn't do a very good job. 
okay? And so the whole point is this, is, is they're just trying to destroy our Bible. Um, and, uh, and, and so anyhow, um, I want you to see something. We're talking about, right now, we're talking about synonyms, where God is trying to tell us how well he protected our Bible, okay? Well, let me give you another illustration. Go to Galatians chapter 5, okay? Galatians chapter 5. All right, Galatians chapter 5, you're familiar with this. This is, uh, this is uh, um, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit is in verses 19 through 23, okay? Well, help me now here. What does it mean to be in the flesh? You guys know what it means when you're in the flesh? Anybody here ever get in the flesh? Oh, good, I didn't want to have to point you out here in a second. Okay, so how do I know what it means to be in the flesh? Well, let me help you here. Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Y'all with me? Say, so, well, what is flesh? Folks, all of these are synonyms for one word, flesh. Do you get it? Sometimes God gives us all kinds of words to help us to understand one word, okay? And he gives all those words to understand what it means to be in the flesh. Um, can you guys name the fruits of the Spirit? Nobody? It's a trick question. Don't answer. There are no fruits of the Spirit. There is the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning this, if you want to say that you're walking in the Spirit, this is the fruit that manifests itself. And it's not talking about one thing, it's talking about all the things. Okay, well, what are they then? Go to verse 22. And the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Oh, I've got love. Good. Have you got joy? Because if you have love but don't have joy, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. By the way... All of those are synonyms for one word. Spirit. Okay, how do I know when I'm walking in the spirit? Well, you'll manifest these different fruit, okay? Or different aspects of the fruit of the spirit. Well, uh, why is that important? Many times when you're studying your Bible, you'll go to define these words, and they'll all say the same thing. What does it mean to keep? It means to guard. What does it mean to watch? It means to guard. Okay? You go, well, it means to guard. It means the same thing. No, God's saying dig a little deeper and see the nuance that he's trying to communicate there. One means build a fence, and the other one means patrol the fence. Amen? And, and so, if you will, God, it, 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 he, he's into the minutia of, I want you to know exactly what I'm trying to tell you. Get a hold of that. Because we live in a world where people want to say, well, it can mean this to you and it can mean this to me. No, it cannot. It means what God wrote. And it is our job to discern what God wrote using these tools that we've been looking at. Uh, one last thing, and I, I, want to, I want to talk about the preservation of the Word of God. Uh, back in our text, in verse 7, he says this. He says, uh, 
Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Folks, he gave the stewardship over the preservation of the Word of God to Israel and to the church. Okay, can I ask you, who is preserving the Word of God? This is not a trick question. Let's all say it together. Who is preserving the Word of God? God. So when somebody comes to you and says, there are mistakes in your Bible, can I tell you, they're the other people in Psalm chapter 11, the wicked people who are saying wrong things. Amen. Okay? Uh, For sake of time, I won't go. You know, enemies start their attack by saying, don't you suppose errors could have gotten in? Those are those higher critics, by the way. And they would say, well, here's a mistake, and here's a mistake, and we discern a mistake, blah, 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 blah. And basically all they're saying is, we're going to tell you what's in and what's out. All right? Well, higher critics are wrong. The cults are wrong. Jehovah's Witness, they have their own Bible. The Mormons, they have their own Bible. The Catholics have their own Bible. How many of you all know the Catholics have a different Ten Commandments than we do? And they're using the same text. Does anybody know how? They, anybody know how? Folks, uh, do they have statues of Mary in their churches? So how do they get around the second commandment? Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven images. Catholic Church ignores that one and takes the tenth commandment and divides it into two sections. Don't covet after your neighbor's wife and don't covet after your neighbor's property. Please take this the right way. Don't covet. Okay, and then you don't have to eliminate the second of the Ten Commandments. You all understand? And so my whole point is God preserved the Word of God. And you either believe it or you don't. And if you believe it, if there's ever any question, then you've got to say, well, I, I, I want to test it against something to see if God is true. Now, I'll give you one last illustration. I'll be done. I think it was 1948. 1948. There was a shepherd boy who was practicing his... Uh, Slinging, you know, he's like David had the sling. He was practicing his slinging. It went like that, and the problem is, it went into a cave, and he and he heard pottery breaking. Okay, and uh, you know, being curious, he he took and he climbed up, and he saw there's all kinds of these jars, and when he opened the jars, he found uh, scrolls of scripture in them. Okay, one of which was an Isaiah scroll. An Isaiah scroll that they took decades, literally decades, to unroll and to preserve and to, and to read it. And all those Bible critics were going to say, ha ha, we got them now. We're going to show them all the mistakes in the book of Isaiah. And the only problem is every time they rolled it out, they said that agrees with the King James Bible and the text that underlies it. And that agrees and that agrees and that agrees. And by the way, when they got done, it was virtually the same document. It was virtually the same document. And you know who was surprised? The world was surprised. You know who wasn't surprised? Anybody who believes God's promise and he says, I will keep them. I will keep them. I'm going to use the Jews to do it. I'm going to use the church to do it. But I'm going to let you know that the more you dig into it, the more you're going to find I have preserved my word. We can trust it. How much has he preserved, folks? Very, the very words, the very letters, the very parts of the letter. When God says, I wrote it and I preserved it, he is serious about it. We ought to take that same truth seriously. Folks, we ought not be wishy-washy on why we use a King James Bible. We ought to, by conviction, say, I trust God. 
these hold to those promises, and I'm going to take and I'm going to accept those promises. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Maybe you got somebody you'd like to witness to. Maybe somebody who's criticizing all the time. Maybe you got some.